Hello. Hello. This is Joya Italiano. And this is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to No But That's a Thing. A podcast where we talk about the science ideas that are contained in sci-fi movies. Yeah, neither of us are experts in any of these things, but we care about them and we feel like we can make it interesting for you. So we Googled some stuff after watching a movie and here we go. Here we go. All right. We watched the movie Looper. Yeah, we did. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen it. You'd seen it a couple of times? I saw no? it in the theater and hadn't seen it since, and god damn it, I love this movie. Yeah. In the future, time travel is outlawed, used only in secret by the largest criminal organizations. When they need someone gone, and they want to erase any trace of the target ever existing, they use specialized assassins, like me, called loopers. And the only rule is, never let your target escape. Even if your target is you. I'm gonna fix this! I'm gonna fight it! I'm gonna kill it! Hunt them down. But every second that passes is bad. I'm gonna save your life. My life! Your life! There's a lot of fun to be had in this, and I think a lot of different questions. I, mm. For me, you know, and I was I was pretty vocal about this the whole time, the only real complaint I had about it was that it just, that fucking makeup is so goddamn distracting. And it's, yeah. it's the choice of using, like, one of the most iconic-faced right, right. <laughs> actors on the planet. That's part of why I think that, like, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt makeup doesn't really work as much. Yeah. Is because we know what young Bruce Willis looks right. like. He was in all these movies we've seen. Exactly. It's so, not us being like, oh, yeah, they really captured it. You're like, that's no, what, he we, must that's have what we like. know. Yeah. yeah. We grew up with Die Hard, bro. Yeah. But that being said, I think it's like of all people that you could have easily really gotten wrapped up in that. And yeah. only a few times was I kind of like, oh, my God, you're yeah. Bruce Willising so hard. But once you get once you get over that whole element of it, yeah. I, to me, it's just fucking so much fun. Yeah. Not just the science of it, but then like kind of the, the ethical or moral questions. Well, I also are... just love the way it's directed. Yeah. Like, I think it's beautifully shot and awesomely fun. And, and, <laughs> fun for the whole family. It gets me more and, and more excited for the possibilities yeah. of Star Wars Episode Eight, which yeah. is going to be written and directed. Who by, directed it? Well, Looper was written and directed by this guy Ryan Johnson, okay, who had done the movie Brick and some other stuff. Right. He's now going to direct the next Star Wars movie. Oh, cool! And so, it, yeah, I thought the direction exciting. was really good. Well, why don't you give our listeners a little brief rundown of what the movie's about in case they haven't seen it? Yeah. So, in the future, in the further future. Mm-hmm. Time travel has been invented. Totally, of course. I guess body tagging has gotten to a place where criminals can't get rid of a body. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they take a person, zap them 30 years in the past, and then this hitman from 30 years in the past, Joseph Mm Gordon-Levitt, kills the person and then disposes of the body in the past. So he just disappears in the future and there's no record of him in the past, and so it's a perfect method of getting rid of a body. Right, so it's kind of like this film noir style, like, they call us the loopers. What winds up happening with these loopers is eventually somebody from the future finds the looper himself in the future, zaps him back in time, and then he kills himself. So Bruce Willis is Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the future. He gets sent back in time, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is supposed to kill him, but 
Bruce Willis has some other ideas. <laughs> yeah, hilarity and sometimes serious <laughs> danger ensues after that. But Mostly hilarity. Now, it must have been the Interstellar episode, but we were talking about how the theory is that time travel into the future might be possible, but all the astrophysicists and shit, like the, the upper-ups in the scientific community, <laughs> say that traveling back in time is probably never a possibility. It's very likely that it won't be possible. Part of the problem with any time travel to the past movie is you're going to run into definite paradoxes. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to decide what type of time travel are you going to use. Mm -hmm. One side is like... You go back into the past and whatever you were going to change in the past was part of the timeline. So right. it's like you kind of can't change the past mm -hmm. in one version of it. The other version is you go back in time and suddenly you're shot off onto a new parallel universe. Mm -hmm. And then all the changes that you've made can exist in this new world mm -hmm. and it, it's not like it, the old world no longer exists for you well yeah i mean but then you run into the problem would your memory be that and then you wouldn't go back in time to change that in the first place because right. your memory wouldn't and you just totally. get, uh, get and fucked they have to kind of explain that away they even say in the movie i think it's like i don't know it all so confusing i yeah, mean yeah. <laughs> at one like... point bruce willis sits him down and he's like look i don't want to talk about time travel because then we're gonna ask too many questions and this is gonna <laughs> right. make no fucking sense well because so totally well because i used to do don't that ask too many questions i used to do do that all the time with Terminator be like wait but if the, and then like in the mm -hmm. newest Terminator fucking salvation is that that was the newest well, no, no the, Genesis. the new Genesis right with a Y Woof. Gen Y sis <laughs> shut up but even that one it, it kind of like fucked it all up like well now John Connor's the evil one and but if he goes back then they did so that you kind of have fucking to mess. Yeah, I don't know why I'm citing that as any kind of example but well, I guess only to say like yeah if you affect anything in the past then that means you, like maybe you do one decision here that completely changes your trajectory that mm -hmm. wouldn't you know you wouldn't end up where you were when you were able to go back right know, to begin with right. so you know for the purposes of a thing we got to right. just the suspension of disbelief that's all fine and good you, you almost can't tell a time travel story without paradoxes right one of the biggest questions in this movie like if it was your job to kill yourself from 30 years in the future mm -hmm. but it, like what would you do when that person actually appears in front of you would you do the job or would you be like Yo, what's up would right. you try to change the path like you know these are all things that you wouldn't Know what Would the you fuck spend the next thirty years trying to figure out how you can talk to your past self and get him to on board for you to continue right. living? Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of rules in the movie mm -hmm. and uh, as to how the time travel works, and one of them is that as time progresses for both of them, differences in what Joseph Gordon-Levitt does is immediately felt by Bruce Willis. Right. So as his life and possible future changes, Bruce Willis is like having memories that are treasured disappear from his head. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking a bit about memories in general as maybe a way to hop into this. Let's do it. So there's no such thing as false memory. Mm -hmm we're starting to understand that the human mind can create, exaggerate and distort memories, but the memories themselves are actually still there and real. It's about the retrieval process that uh, gets fucked up. Okay. So forgetting is better thought of as a temporary or permanent inability to retrieve a piece of information. Okay. Which got me thinking about if that's true and we can do these like brain reading things that we were talking about in the, one of the other episodes then maybe there's like a truth in a brain that can be brought out using technology in like a court case, for example, mm -hmm. where there's no cameras around, but the victim saw what happened and there, maybe there will be a way in the future to access the untouched memories 
and not have it go through the retrieval process of a human being and then them explaining how they felt about that memory, but right. actually seeing the memory as it existed. Well, or then even in that same vein, like the idea of a really intense memory, for example, like a post-traumatic stress-related memory, mm -hmm. like you would, which a lot of times people like immediately compartmentalize, mm -hmm. right? They mm -hmm. just like have to stow it away. Like to be <clears throat> able to access those without having to bring back the trauma associated with those memories right. would be very helpful for a lot of people. I'm just really curious about this <clears throat> this false memory thing. You see a lot mm -hmm. of that coming up or like false confessions, for example. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if you have somebody that's really, you, the making, making a murderer, yeah. for, prime example, yeah, that of kid. just like kind of berating people that, and not even, and they were like, you know, me mentally handicapped to some degree, mm -hmm. but even people that are ordinarily pretty sharp or whatever, if you're being berated and being like, no, but you were there at a certain point, you're like, right. what's real and what's not? No, I read this yeah. thing that researchers were able to convince 70% of people in this study that they had committed a crime that they hadn't done. Right, I've heard about that, okay. So like, it's yeah. insane the way people can plant memories in people's minds Right. that weren't really there but when you take away that subjective factor that could mm -hmm. be extremely helpful especially in this brand new world of fake yeah. news and fake memories it could be really helpful it could be really dangerous <laughs> right another thing that i found really interesting about the way memories work is your mind needs to be exercised uh -huh. regularly now exercised as in like cardio burn and sweat or exercise <laughs> like exercise the demons uh, neither of those okay I would say. Perfect. closer to the physical one right okay because if you continually remind yourself of a memory, it reinforces those pathways and starts to solidify the memory better and better. Sure, which is what Bruce did in the movie. Mm -hmm. he He's like constantly like trying himself. to remember yeah. and like remind himself of what his wife's face looks like. The harder you think about a memory, the more likely you are to remember it accurately. Mm -hmm. And aging is associated with memory loss, but that's more because we generally don't exercise our brains as much as we age right. than the fact that like we're aging. You have to exercise your brain in the same way that you do any other important organ in your body, I suppose. Yeah. It turns out that long-term memories are not stored in just one part of the brain, but they're widely distributed throughout. And they're stored as groups of neurons that are primed to fire together in the same pattern that created the original experience right but i mean you don't experience it like the first time but so what do you mean they're set up to fire that way when they fire that way that's you accessing a memory and feeling those emotions again uh -huh. that's how we access and they're groups of neurons in the visual cortex store the sight memory and then neurons in the amygdala store the associated emotion and you kind of pull from all these different groups and they fire again when you're remembering them, okay. kind of similarly to the way they fired when you first experienced it. Right. So it's not like it's firing and you feel like you're experiencing it again. You're just right. being reminded of how good you felt when X, Y, or Z happened. That's or how, how negatively. Yeah, that's like okay. how accessing a memory physically works. Okay. And even taking that further, with MRIs, we've found that verbs and nouns are stored in different parts of the brain. Uh-huh. Because like concrete nouns are stored in areas of the brain that are used to sense or manipulate the relevant object. Oh, okay. So it's more like the emotion of holding the object and that's where you keep the noun for that thing wow. in your brain. Wow, okay. Like as we're talking, I'm thinking about therapy and, and hypnosis mm -hmm. and stuff in the same way that if you can do it with technology, accessing those things sometimes. I mean, I don't believe in fucking hypnosis. I've never been hypnotized, but that's... A lot of people believe in that, that if you yeah. if you relax the body enough or get yourself in a state enough that you can access some of these memories that maybe you didn't know about. Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who practices yoga. I think the meditative quality is really important, especially for 
people whose lives are all over the fucking place and neurotic weirdos like myself you know it's good in the same way that you need you need a break from physical activity you need a break from mental activity and just kind of recentering and all of that stuff but Agreed. I think when it gets a little bit, this is when it gets a little bit hippity doodah and a little bit more like, okay, let's show some, like, take some goddamn responsibility for your life. No, I'm just kidding. So right, I really like hippity doodah. Hippity doodah, yeah. Not zippity doodah, not well, hippy doodly doo. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I like you're it. getting a little, yeah, you're getting a little granola for my taste. Yeah. So I read an article on Daily News and Analysis, but based in India. So this is coming out of Delhi. And the, the name of the article is, Ever Wondered About Your Past Life and Things You Experienced in It? I was like, sure, bro. Whatever. <laughs> I, um, no, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> so this operates off the idea of karma, right? So your deeds in your past life are actively influencing your future. Mm-hmm. There are sessions in Delhi, places all over Delhi being performed, called Past Life Regression Therapy Sessions. So the belief is, of course, that flashes of memories from the past life are seen by the subjects. And they are then further steps are taken to heal or detach from whatever's holding them back in their current lives. So essentially, you're supposed to be going back to your past life to atone for whatever horseshit you committed back yeah. then in case you're, you're being held up. Side note, and it's, like, it's actually a like perfectly on point side note. My brother, right, he ended up going to a fortune teller and she was, this is like totally bastardized story from a long time ago, but she was uh-huh. basically like, Oh, well, one of the reasons you're going to continue to fail with women is that you committed so many sins in your past lives boy, or something boy. like that. I mean, I'm making this far more like spiritual, no, but like, like crazy fortune teller. I once went to a fortune teller and it was like a similar kind of thing where they yeah. were like, look, you have all these spirits that are attached to you that are evil spirits. Now, for $200, we can remove those evil spirits. Yeah. And I was like, you said the I wrong thing. You. Okay. Here's a couple of notes I want to make. A... My brother does great with women, and I'm sorry that I presented <laughs> that idea. I think at that time in his life, those were one of the questions that were coming up for him. But yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, well, in one of your past lives, you stole all, the, you hoarded all the water it's like, of I the village. I don't have enough guilt for all the shit that I've I done myself. Like, but I, it's also like, how do you know? Like, come on. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of questions here. Okay. Was she that so, specific where it was like, you stole water from a yes, village? Yes, I ch- remember him telling me that. And Jesus then she, And then Christ. it was like, in another past life, he was a woman and stuff. And it was all this stuff. And he was just like, whoa, I... And he needs to atone for that. I since for being a woman. I since that story was told to me many years ago, like at least seven years ago, wrote a sketch about it where a fortune teller does (laughs) that, but it's just plots of movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And they said that you were the last of the Mohicans. (laughs) So stupid. Anyway, okay, so. There's these sessions being done, right, where people go in and essentially someone is, uh, it can last, the session can last up to two hours and it requires a a silent setup where the facilitator can guide the subject into deep sleep, so deep meditation, and then answer questions to reveal identity and events. That to me sounds like hypnosis, right? Here's a prime example. Okay. A woman came in with skin problems of quote unquote keloid scars. Do you know what that is? No. K-E-L-O-I-D. What is that? I'm hoping this isn't another... Uh-oh. You're going to Google some images of this? It's rough. Oh, okay. So it's basically just like a raised scar. Like okay. Narnar, like, oh, God, you got cut. Ouch. Mm. Okay, cool. Anyway, so she came in. She had problems with that on her body, um, and she had no explanation for where those came from. Well, after one of her PLR sessions, as we'll shorten it, mm-hmm. there was a dis- she shared a discovery that she was probably one of the co-pilots on the Enola Gay, which is the name of the plane that dropped the, f- the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima. What so, made her think that? 
Her PLR session, Jeff. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know. There's so much truth there that it caused you to knock your fucking mic over. Right. Okay, so what? yeah, this woman goes in. Well, these all these scars. Then she has a session. She decides that she, in her past life, she was probably the pilot. She probably murdered millions right. of she Japanese people. She probably was the pilot who dropped because she saw Enola Gay, and that was the thing. So she blah, blah, blah. Okay. She could even tell the name of the pilot. This is when it starts to get fun. Oh, boy. This is a quote from the woman. I had never heard of this pilot before, so I cannot even say that it is some recovery of memory in my life. In this life, I saw a pair of eyes in the aircraft during my session, and a mushroom cloud coming from a city. The eyes were mine, as Captain Lewis, and the cloud was from the city. First thing, the captain's name was Captain Tibbets. His name was Paul Tibbets. So what? His name was Paul not Tibbets. Robert Lewis, which is who she thought. She's like, I was Captain Robert Lewis. I mean, like, that's not the name. So hey, this is okay. proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Correct. That this is not because a proof of concept. She didn't. I know. This is the same argument as when people are like, but I saw yeah, Dewey well, glow like, when yeah. I was by myself in the middle of the alley. And I knew it was or God like, looking down on me. When I had that near death experience, I know that I saw this and it wasn't just neurons firing in my brain as Precisely. it was dying. I mean, so basically the, the idea is that the... Uh, the immense guilt that that Captain Tibbets had over the destruction of Hiroshima is the is proof that yeah. Proof of what? Like that she also got. She's Paul Tibbets, okay? Just now. <laughs> but not. She I thought know. it was Captain Lewis. I know. And so then, but the idea is that then she asks for forgiveness in her life, and then she goes on. So one of the practitioners of this. And um, this costs money. I take it. Of course it does, dude. Like I'm not trying yeah, to no. give this oh, any no, no, credibility I'm just, whatsoever. I just, I'm just rem- like always remembering when, it, whenever this is the case, there's somebody who is actively aware that they are oh. preying on people's, you know, and yes. they've convinced themselves that they're doing a good thing for them by like, well, they feel better after the thing, so why is it right. such a bad thing that well, I'm preying on them? It just and so- they're, you know. Sorry. Let me tell you about this person. So I'm, prov- I'm like it. proving your point right please, now. Please so do. Abhishek Joshi is the is a PLR practitioner and he's been a psychic healer since 1997. Uh, he left his advertising job after he realized he wanted to work in healing. So to me already, like anybody We've that started leaves, from a place precisely, like anybody that's <laughs> like, well, you know, I really I made my career manipulating information to make people buy things. And right. then I decided, you know what? Fuck that. I want to heal people for money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want <laughs> so, to sell healing. Yeah. So I guess, okay, the reason I brought this question up is the idea, first of all, okay, I don't know if I made it abundantly clear, but if it's not, I don't believe in past lives. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I don't that anybody that. listening to this I think that this is has a, picked up the, our disdain for right. these ideas. Um, I think it is a profound way to not deal with the present situation. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think it's perfectly appropriate and valid to at least go back in your life, your totally. one life that you've had, and realize maybe some of the mistakes that you've... Because the idea is... Okay, let me even quote uh, Mr. Joshi, who's this PLR, PLR practitioner. Mr. Joshi does Mr. not sound like... <laughs> Mr. Just Joshin, yeah. So he says... Quote, for me, this is a way to help them start listening to their instincts. People come to me for all kinds of problems, from bad relationships to drowning businesses. When they look into their past lives, they realize why it is happening and also the fact that their instincts were always telling them to take a step back. They just didn't listen until their past lives, until their past, you know, an gay pilot comes in and is like, hey, man, slow down. You're moving too fast. Like, that's why you have the scars. It's nonsense. Here's a final quote from him. <laughs> A past life regression therapy makes you more aware about your present. Healing is a long process, but knowing why we are suffering or asking for forgiveness from people we have hurt or forgiving ourselves just make the pain easier. I'm like, yeah, 
what the fuck do you need past lives for that? Like, right. there's plenty you of people. You can forgive yourself. You can forgive yourself for mistakes you've made. You can reach out to people that you've maybe hurt in the past. That's mm-hmm. what being a good person is. Being like, oh, well, you have to forgive me for being a total cunt to you right now. Right. I was one of the victims of Hiroshima <laughs> in my past life. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. sort of like, what are you talking about? Right. It just seems like making excuses. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, I think you're totally right. Yeah. You know, so many of these things that we want to believe are true, we continue to believe are true. Mm-hmm. And it, it's there's something nice to the idea of like, well, I didn't do it, but it's on me. And so I can forgive myself because I didn't even make those choices. Right. But it's almost like this this feeling that feeling the shame of doing something wrong and atoning is mm. not, there's not value to that. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I, 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 let me find a way to say this without coming across like a total dick like I've had in my life moments where I've looked in the mirror and been like I fucking hate you and why why do I hate you it's because oh let me let me start I'm not that I hate you but it's like it starts from a place of being like this is a thing that I want to change this is something in my life that's not going right and Mm. you sometimes have to feel a little bit bad about yourself for a second yeah that doesn't mean to only feel bad about yourself that doesn't mean to completely put away all the positive sides but to completely be like oh well I'm gonna forgive this someone that's completely separate from me so that I don't have to take any personal responsibility for the life that I've led on this planet right now yeah I completely agree with you going into that is kind of like the message of the movie Inside Out sure where it's saying like sadness is an important part of our lives and development and to shun it and put it away and to try to not feel sad is not a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. Sadness can help you get over things and, and understand your own problems better. So, right. I don't know. It's and just same like, with self-loathing. Right. Totally. Well, I mean, and I, I just guess the thing balances everything. You know, a healthy dose of introspection and also interacting with other people and kind of figuring out, oh, why is my, why do I do the things that I do? Like, yeah. what does my behavior stem from? Like, that's all great. And Everyone going, needs to do some more. It was somebody else yeah. that is like, causing Oh, this. after paying this guy however much money for a two-hour session mm-hmm. to then come up with something that is completely unprovable. In the movie, they have all these gas cars that are retrofitted with solar panels oh, right. on them. And then there's like a little thing that goes into their gas can, mm-hmm. which seems to be like causing electricity to go in and powering it through gas. I don't really know. But I looked into <laughs> retrofitting older cars for newer power technologies. Mm-hmm. And we kind of looked into putting solar panels on a car and... Instead of doing that, it's much better to put solar panels on your garage and then charge your car through that. And as of 2012, to put solar on a two-car garage, it would cost about $22,000. You know, that was four years ago, Uh which is the equivalent to about 400 Phillips of gas. Wow. And that's about three years of gas on average. Wow. So in three years after installing this, all of your gas would be free. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what people think about doing instead of retrofitting the cars. There is a thing that's about $3,000 that attaches to your wheels electrically and it it's a retrofit to turn your car into a hybrid. Okay. And so that attaches to a battery that's in your trunk and then you can charge that and then it reduces the amount of gas needed to power your traditional car but it still isn't going to do the whole picture. Interesting. Well, do you think that then, yeah, this idea of retrofitting versus just 
create, you know, creating a new more car. cars. Mm-hmm. That that would be because yeah, that was something that stood out sincerely is mm-hmm. that everything was retrofitted mm-hmm. and but I just see them making more shit. I mean, out. other than their like future motorcycles that they have that are jetpacking around, yeah, they have these old cars that just have like a solar panels thrown on top of them. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm like the garage thing sounds perfectly legit, but I'm just wondering about yeah, like the the retrofitting to turn into a hybrid. It almost mm-hmm. seems like just out with the old in with the new maybe i'm wrong well they even looked at it like in chicago there's about three to four hours of sunlight a day the solar panels on the roof of a car would generate only enough energy to power about four extra miles of travel per day oh shit okay so it's like really not effective right this movie is all about trying to hide dead bodies right (laughs) yes A couple years ago in Florida, a man who was accused of murdering his high school friend had asked Siri where he could hide the body. No. No. And Siri, back at the time, which I don't think she says this anymore, responded with, what kind of place are you looking for? Swamps? Reservoirs? Metal foundries? Dumps? Oh. I didn't uh, know how serious people would be. In the court case, they found a screenshot on his phone of the question being asked of Siri. Right. And the date of that was the day of the murder. So, like... Oh, my God. I assume that he accidentally took the screenshot, because you know you can do that. On the iPhone, if you hit the lock button and the home button at the same time, it takes a picture of your screen. So I'm sure he accidentally did that. Or he did so that he could remember... Dumps? Stupid, stupid, I, like, stupid. What? I, like, even if he didn't take the screenshot, don't like that would have come out probably his Google searches, right? Well, the Siri searches are removed from the servers the and oh, stuff. Oh, right. Interesting. So that actually... So he's a real dum-dum. This is a, you know, it made me think about how much smarter the future criminals are in the movie than somebody like that. Well, God, I mean, it's like... I'm certainly not the first person to bring up some of the ridiculous Google searches. Like, you type in, like, uh-huh. what is, and then just... It's just absurd. Well, in research for this, I typed into Google, how do you hide a dead body? And Google now is going to remember that forever. So I really hope. Yeah. I want to put this out right now. Let's make it clear. <laughs> I didn't boring. murder anybody around the day of January 6th. 2016 or yeah. February 6th. Yeah, I was like, oh no, you're you're incriminating. <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> What's the fucking timeline, Jeff? <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I mean, well, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit more about how so the body tagging in the future is so smart, right? Mm-hmm. That it's just that meaning like what there's there's chips on the I forget. I assume they well, don't say chipped, specifically right? probably. Yeah. I mean, we already carry them around in our pockets and yeah. one day well, as we've talked about, we're going to put them in our bodies. Yeah, Although be- I did find a plot hole in that wouldn't they be able to track the dead body to the spot of the time machine and then see that it disappeared? And that because right. they do show the time machine and I don't it doesn't look portable. No. It's a it's big, big fucking machine. It's pretty like every imagining of a time machine throughout the history well, it's of just cinema. Like this giant sphere in like an old warehouse and I'm like, right. nobody's found this? I know. I know that was- clearly people are going to this spot and then disappearing mm-hmm. off of the face of the earth. I have a feeling that the future cops would ask some questions. Yeah, exactly. They're not quite minority report level <laughs> no. crime fighters. Their pre crime isn't good enough. They can go back, but yeah. they can't. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, cool. So one of my final things, which is a little bit of a doozy, so we'll work our way through, mm-hmm. is, okay, this idea of nature versus nurture. So we talked about how Bruce Willis's character, for example, would start feeling the scars that Joseph Gordon-Levitt would get when he was young, mm-hmm. right? And now, granted, they're the same person, so that's a little bit different, but I'm sort of thinking 
How true is this nature versus nurture thing? I was looking into it because they're talking specifically about how can identical twins be so different in certain ways genetically. So I watched this TED Talk video called How the Choices You Make Can Affect Your Genes. Mm. And they're basically talking us through like explaining how people with the same DNA could turn out so differently even in relation to traits that have a significant genetic component. So how do genes work? Well, just to give a little bit of a refresher, this is... This is also for myself, right? Like <laughs> DNA genes, they're read and transcribed into RNA. And RNA is translated into proteins by structures called ribosomes. And the proteins are the majority of what determine a cell's characteristic and function. So, for example, some can be turned into liver cells. Some can be turned into heart cells, kidney cells, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So epigenetics, which is what this video was focusing on, is specifically about how our DNA interacts with a multitude of smaller molecules found within cells which can either activate or deactivate genes in a more or less kind of random way. So the molecules aren't making any active choices, but, you know, with Darwin's theory of evolution, we're talking about variation and mm-hmm. kind of how it's all a little bit chaotic, right? Yeah, so the most baby mutations and Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah, so there's mutations, right? But then just even like the, the most common interference is that DNA or the proteins wrapped around it get labeled with small chemical tags. So the full set of one of these chemical tags, a full set of those that are attached to, to the genome of a given cell is called the epigenome. So some of those epigenomes inhibit gene expression by either altering like, you know, the replication machinery or it can cause the DNA to like coil more tightly. So Mm. even though they're there, they're just not being read. They're not being followed. Right. So then the opposite of that is boosting. So yes, that's like the the, the basis of of that is what it's called boosting. So some chemical tags are replicate replicated more. So again, even if you might have two twins that there's some genes that are dominant or whatever, there's these like random little epigenetic moves that happen that can make them not as obvious in one twin or the other. There's some amount of these changes that is normal, but it could lead to certain diseases if, for example, they turn off a gene that makes a tumor-suppressing protein. Okay. So these random turning off and turning on, it might be more or less innocuous, but it could, like, one twin could end up with some kind of disease if randomly their shit turns off that suppressing... I see. ...that thing. So that's kind of, like, the bigger thing that I was talking about, but... It still says, though, like, it's like, okay, well, yeah, maybe it's a little bit more complicated than just nature versus nurture, but it still always boils down to trying to avoid any, like, weird chemicals in the air that are going to, like, fuck with your DNA Mm -hmm. and, like, eating healthy and sleeping and exercising and all of that stuff. You're like, yeah, okay, that seems seems pretty obvious but again like the study of this like the more that we understand how these genes work the more we can understand how to fight those genes okay right so that's like the nature part that there's already changes there that even if two twins are born and raised in the same area those changes can cause well what was like the eat right and exercise stuff that's more well because it's yeah that i mean so that's i think that's where there's like this weird overlap because it says you can like for some people you can eat right and like do all of the normal things, but then there's just some like random things that your genetics do. Mm. It's more of a like, just to be safe, do all of those things. Okay. But then there's still like, you know, yeah. God up there that's so, going to curse you or but not. But that's basically to say like, it's a combination of both the things. Yeah, <laughs> Nature it is a combination, and nurture. but I guess it's basically this, this weird intersection of stuff that you can't control stuff that is just, you know, genetic that was passed down by your parents. Mm -hmm. Then there's these other variations that happen even within that. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things that are 
affected based on what like your parents did in their life. I mean, it makes sense when you look at families, right? Like if maybe they have the same dietary habits or like maybe somebody was they drank their whole life. It's mm. sort of how alcoholism, which seems like that's something that you cause for yourself, but that's mm. something that's passed down. Right. So I guess understanding this, this like epigenetics and like what we can do from an environmental level to change those and what really have, we don't have control over. It's like how two twins, maybe one can, can smoke cigarettes without getting so, super addicted and without getting emphysema mm-hmm. and the other can't. Right, you would think if you have both of the same kind of like genetic makeup that, right. that and a very similar upbringing, yeah, precisely nurture upbringing. Right, exactly. So if I, I guess that, that's that's the thing that's because the most wouldn't that, to me then that's just being like, well, that change is nature mm-hmm. and not nurture because epigenetics making a mutation would just be nature. Right, exactly. So here's another point on the the nurture side. Social experiences can cause epigenetic changes. So this is what this sounds like to me. Okay, so in an experiment, when mother rats weren't attentive to their pups, genes in the babies that helped them manage stress were methylated and turned off. So I wouldn't think about it in a genetic level. I would just think about that as like a coping mechanism, right? Right. (laughs) If you like learned maybe your coping skills, your your ability to deal with stress is going to be all fucked up if you grow up in an environment where your mom doesn't pay attention to you. Yeah. Where my brain turns off is where I'm like, but you see that on a fucking DNA level. Right. I think we should mention why we're talking about this subject in the first place Uh related to this movie, Mm -hmm. which is that we haven't talked about where this movie gets one would argue a little convoluted on top of all of the time travel. Mm. There's an element where a portion of the population can have telekinesis now. Oh God, I'd forgotten about that. And the reason we're talking about this is like in the far future, there's a new bad guy who's like a super villain who's closing all the loops and he's killing everybody. And one of the things that Bruce Willis wants to do to save his future is to kill this future Hitler as a baby right and so that's why we're talking about nature versus nurture would you kill baby hitler right or do you think that you could teach him how to love right exactly could he use that power for good you know that's exactly right or do you just go back if you're going back in time and say no this kid's gonna be hitler i'm gonna kill him and like in the movie i'm gonna kill anybody else who has his name just in case. Right. Knowing how little we know mm-hmm. about what really makes a human a human yeah. is yeah. why this gets so complicated. Because, mm-hmm. you know, certainly they, they raise that question in the, the movie about, like, if you saw, yeah, a baby, doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you know what he's going to do. Can you really kill a baby? But I just, I would certainly be more on the side of, I don't know. I mean, it's hard when you say Hitler to say anything yeah. but kill the guy. Right. But, which is why I'm like, was his, his just like a straight up and down psychopathy or was it really like, oh, we had some really fucked up things that happened to him in his life and, and whatever. I don't, I truthfully don't know enough well, about the life of Hitler. Is it, that enough? Well, that's the thing is mental illness is real. Totally. And there is like some people who are born and they have like something in their brain that's going to cause them to do terrible, terrible things. Terrible things, right. But then there's people who are incredibly intelligent or have a certain ability that could be used for good or used for evil. Uh And that, I think, nurture does play a big role in building your own morality. Right. What this Mm -hmm. kid future... What's his name? The Widowmaker? Not Widowmaker. Oh, I don't remember. The Rainmaker. The Rainmaker. Uh, Yeah. That's the evil guy in the future. Yeah. Like, if you know... Who's a kid in the past. And so, you know, of course, people are kind of, like, suspicious of anybody that that is able to do that. But then if you realize, like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't antagonize them. Maybe Mm -hmm. we are able to find the humanity here or whatever. It is funny because in doing a podcast like this, it can feel like we've come so far and we know so much. And then you have these moments where you remember, like, 
We didn't know that DNA's structure existed until 1957. Exactly. Depending on your perspective, we're either really far along or Mm -hmm. we're little babies that are just figuring out who we are. Right. We talked about in the Gattaca episode how it's like we didn't even know that, you know, cells could fight off viruses or whatever Mm -hmm. until the 80s when they saw the way that DNA was replicating differently. If if we can get to the point where we can, can manipulate DNA, we can isolate neurodegenerative diseases, you might also be able to isolate, I don't know, people's mental diseases, right? Yeah. You can maybe eliminate the parts of people's brains that make them feel like killing is good. There's a lot of people out there that were the, you know, the Bundys of the world, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was like, well, it was so charming and no one had any idea that they were really up right. to no good. But right. meanwhile, they're like total psychopaths. And again, that's, it gets to this weird, like then privacy and like thought crime versus mm-hmm. X, where like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. I just, well, I think it's it like, would does, be is evil we... born or is evil created? I guess that's the biggest thing. Of... I, I got to think that both, yeah like sometimes they're born that way and sometimes things happen that create somebody to be that way. And you're always capable of doing the opposite. I remembered this thing on the Science Channel where a guy found out that he was incredibly predisposed to being a serial killer. Interesting. That, like, genetically, there were also people in his family, and they did, like, an MRI or something and found that he does have these things that are, like, you are, would tend to be more violent. But he's not that way. Yeah. He, like understands and like he's like i do have like some kind of anger issues sometimes but it's nothing like like i'm not gonna go kill somebody well i think that's an excellent point and that kind of wraps us back to this idea of accountability and responsibility because sure as fuck like my entire 20s have been me trying to figure out like what my weird complexes that Mm. i've developed as a result of being my parents (laughs) children you know what i mean like i'm very able to be like well i've got my father's blah 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 blah, i've got my mom but at a certain point, you are still like, okay, so I understand the world that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I understand that I was socialized to X, Y, or Z. But now it's like, now that I'm aware of that, that's that's there. And I'm able to now be well, myself, right? I'm not always going to be genetically inclined to be anything, really. Right. This goes back to the whole previous lives thing. And yeah. it's like, you got to take responsibility for your own self and your own adult self. Right. And like... You can feel guilty about things that you've done as a teenager, but know that like you're as you're always growing and changing, you can't blame it on your genetics and you can't blame it on your previous lives. Yeah. You can blame yourself and you can try to be a better person. Yeah. But well, and I guess to kind of round out the whole discussion, you and I really wanted to discuss what, if you had the opportunity, would you say to yourself in the past? Yeah, if I were to sit down for coffee with 10 years younger me... Mm-hmm. Not well, even 10. I want to go farther than that. 10 doesn't seem that long ago. Well, like, part of the thing with that is we're 30 years old, so we can't go 30 years in the past. Not 30, but there's a difference between 10 and 30. Like, 30 doesn't mm-hmm. seem... I was still an adult, you know what I mean? Right. 10 years ago, we were still adults. Well, that's part of what I was thinking with the 10 years ago thing is, like, I was still not an adult oh, 10 okay. years ago. Yeah. And also, I like, younger than that, I was not... I don't know what I would listen to. Right. Like, would I even pay any attention to the things that future me was saying to myself? Well, I, hope I think so. that's, that's half the problem is like, how many times has somebody in your, been like, well, when I, if I was your age, I like, don't yeah. let what happened to me happen to you. And part of me, I've said this so many times because I've maybe beat myself up for like, you know, not being a go-getter or not doing X, Y, or Z or not mm. living for today, blah, blah, mm. blah. And then you sort of realize you're like, coping skills are are just as valuable as learning the fucking piano. You know what I'm saying? Like, they mm-hmm. take just as much practice, too. Yeah. So the idea that that future you would just be able to go back and be like, hey, 
chill the fuck out, Joya. Right. Hey, maybe don't hate yourself. And then so her much. listen to that, internalize it, and yeah. like be able to change and because be like, of what it. What the fuck do you know? You have no idea what I'm. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. if it was me, I would trust myself a little bit more to just be like, dude, I but, swear to God, these things don't matter. But that being said, I would not be the person that I am if I didn't have the experiences that I did. There's lessons that I learned intellectually before I learned them. Right really totally and that's you know and there's a big difference there also real talk like one of the only like the first really valuable things i ever learned from let's say an acting teacher because that's my frame of reference but i remember him just like looking at me and being like you know after we did the like monologue to present ourselves to mm-hmm. the class and he was just he just kind of looked me up and down and was just like don't listen to anybody and of course at first i'm like what should i not listen to you <laughs> yeah. i am not i'm not starting sure with me yes yeah, start with me <laughs> don't listen to this but that was like kind of the first time that i was like yeah oh my God, I've just been listening to everybody for so fucking long and all it's gotten me is trouble. Right. Really? I mean, and that's not to the, to every degree. I mean, you should listen to people around mm. you. you. There's there's plenty of good advice to be had out there, but it's like, if, gosh, if I could tell myself anything, it'd be like, fucking listen to yourself. You're not yeah. as stupid as you think you are. Well, that's the thing. There comes a point in your life where you realize the world is just made up of people who are trying choices, to get through it. Who are just like you. They're trying to get through like anybody else. There isn't like any wisdom that they have that you're incapable of having. Right. They've just been on it a long, on the planet a little bit longer maybe. Mm-hmm. That was what my father always said. My 85-year-old father would always just be like, you may be smarter than me, but I've always got more experience than you. And it's kind of like, congratulations. And so in my experience, <laughs> yeah. in my life, I have more experience than you do in yeah. my life. So let's <laughs> yeah. just, you know, I know more about being in my life of than, my you, know, life. than right. you know. Yeah. So let's just agree to disagree. Like, congratulations, here's your cookie. But like now, <laughs> it's the Joya show. You know what I mean? That's what I would tell little Joya. And I think more kids need that. And not to be a dick, because we also, I know plenty like, of like. don't listen. Yeah, or just like listen, trust yourself. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing I would tell yeah. myself. That being said, I, you know, I'm sure young Joy would be like, wow, okay. I think young Joy would be happy with what she mm. saw. And, and that's that's all that really matters to me. And I think those are the questions we should ask ourselves. Would, would, little, would younger would, me be would happy? Would young me be proud of me? Mm. And if you can answer yes to that, then I think that you're okay. Unless you were a complete piece maybe. of shit kid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. Well, I, on the flip side of that question of like, what would you say to your younger self? Would you live your life any differently if you knew the date of your death? Sure, totally. So would it be different if it's like, it, like in this, he knows the date of his death is going to be 30 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Is that different than if you knew that your date of death was 10 years into the future or five years into the future? I would say so. I think like probably the level of like extreme shit that you do would probably be more like if you mm-hmm. were going to die in five years anyway, you'd probably take way more risks, mm-hmm. like jump out of a fucking plane, smoke as many fucking cigarettes as you want to. It's like, <laughs> yeah, who cares? Right, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like that's sort of what I would think if there was really, it makes sense. There's plenty of talk about mm-hmm. that. Like the Ebenezer Scrooges of the world that are like, mm-hmm. maybe I was wrong. Maybe there is more. Mm-hmm. But having awareness of your mortality changes everybody's fucking life. Right. But I would like to think that when it's far enough out, like, let's say 30 years Mm -hmm. or hopefully more, that I'm living my life in a way where I wouldn't change it if I knew that it was coming sooner than I expect. You know, I would hope that I'm living my life in a way where because nobody knows when you are going to die. Right. Okay. I see your question. Here's my issue that I that I have with that question in general. And it okay. sort of goes back to it's not I don't have an issue with the question. It's just you know, there's always this sense that like you have to be living for today and like live like you're going to die tomorrow and all of that. I get right. it. The like seize the day. I I am I totally get it and I think to some degree that's like a really healthy thing in doses. In doses because right. what again, back to my previous point of like 
coping skills and everything and and the our lives as measly as they are as human beings are processes mm-hmm. i have already lived five lives if not more mm-hmm. in my life i am not the same person that i was when i was like a scared insecure little girl mm-hmm. i have a general sense of who i am but who fucking knows how i'm gonna change right so i think it's being able to find that balance between you know not wanting to waste time and not wasting your life doing as much good as you can or like at least trying to bring some kind of joy or light or whatever you want to bring into the world mm-hmm. but also like give yourself some a fucking break like to right. have everything all right now i think is a really big problem because it doesn't allow you to live presently i think the only thing you can do is live presently well part of that is like then it puts a lot of emphasis on what you choose to do mm-hmm. now like right. because knowing that i have let's say 40 years 30 years left I know that like what I choose to do next isn't vitally important as long as I do all these different things I want to do. Whereas the sooner your death is coming, there's a lot of emphasis on what do I choose to do today? Right. And at a certain point, you kind of got to say, fuck it, I'm going to do all these different things. And so if the choice that I made today isn't the greatest possible one that I could have made, It's not the end of the world. Well, here's a here's one way to answer it. There's a big difference. Okay, like if you tell me on one hand I'm going to die in 30 years, on the other hand I'm going to die in five years, I'll tell you one, I wouldn't quit my day job. The other one, I would quit it right now. If right. you told me I was going to die in five years, I would be like, I am not fucking not bartending. I'm not waiting tables. Mm-hmm. I am not doing anything except for the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't play this game of like, oh, I do what I have to do in order to do what I want to do. I'd be right. like, fuck this. Right. Life really is too short. It's when the people that live like they're dying mm-hmm. operate like that on a daily basis. You and can't then take that to that extreme. You can't because it's like, I'm, so, I'm happy that you get to exist on this like completely unrealistic plane where mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything that's actually subsistence level, level mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like a healthy balance, man. You've got to, you, you can't treat every single day like it's your last. I really don't think that you can. Yeah. And if I die tomorrow, then it'll be like, I would be happy. I feel like every night that I go to sleep, I at least say, if I died today, I did what I could with what I, what I had. And I've had a lot of fun Mm. and that's pretty much it. Well, I think I'll always feel like I could have done more. Right. (laughs) We can't all be Beyonce, dude. Like settle down. Can't we though? (laughs) I'd like to be. Um, I thought this was a great movie. Yeah, me too. I love it. All right. Well, I will see you all next week. Thanks for joining. Hope you loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to him. Yeah. I hope you hated it. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs)